Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. regular thing right now this countdown this heat check thing we're getting back in the groove uh obviously special interview you see the background you know what's going on they're still undefeated uh we got a second head coach coming on we're, we're on a roll right now head coaches uh it's our season apparently so we have uh one of the best young head coaches in the country one of the best coaches period and uh has the san francisco dons undefeated there's a lot of wcc talk right now with all the good basketball going on in that side of the world. And uh, excited to have Coach Ty Golden on. Uh, Eli's going to have all kind of nerd stats and stuff he's going to break down. And, Always. and, and I'm going to have to get out of the way because there's going to be a lot of nerd <laughs> going on between Coach Golden and Eli uh, and all the analytics. I know a little bit. I know a little bit of Kim Palm. I know my analytics, but I, I stay in my lane. I just need to know enough. You know what I mean? So without further ado, Coach Golden in the building. Excited to have him. And Coach, what up, man? Brian, Eli, I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, we talked about this a little bit before, but I appreciate the work that you guys do and, and the light that you guys shine on uh, some of the other programs across the country, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people appreciate the work you do. So thank you guys. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, that means a lot. And yeah, from being in it, Coach, I can say this. You always feel like, man, is anybody even like we're doing all this work? Is anybody even paying attention? Like, <laughs> like a little bit of uh, acknowledgement. Like, we know it's not about that, but these jobs get hard. And, uh, you know, Sports Center usually shows the same few people. Uh, we do have people like Field of 68. We love what they're doing too. Uh, but the mid major love is always a challenge, no matter who's covering. So, we definitely like to put our time there. So, Speaking of, I'm gonna get out of the way because I feel a little intimidated. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move, Coach, to the front and center. I'm gonna let Eli take the gate and uh, get the ball rolling. Yeah. So, Coach, it's been well. I mean, as you know, one of the greatest starts in the history of the San Francisco program, 10-0 on the season. Uh, just to begin, what has made this team special, and how has this how has this run all come together for you? Yeah. You know, this started. Uh... 
It started last spring, to be honest. You know, when uh, we had a tough ending to the year last year, we had a, a two and a half week COVID pause and couldn't get back on track after that. Uh, and we went one and six down the stretch. And, you know, we had an opportunity uh, because we were done early March to really take a step back and, and evaluate our program and decide, you know, what we needed to add, who we needed to retain, uh, you know, what we needed to do to make sure we kept going on the trajectory that we had the first 18 months I had the job. Uh, and it allowed us to create a clear vision of, you know, who we wanted in our program and, and what we wanted to do uh, with bringing some transfers in and, and start building that team in the summer. So we went out and, you know, obviously uh, the most important thing was retaining guys like Jamari Bouye, uh, who's put himself in the first round conversation already this year uh, in terms of being drafted, Khalil Shabazz, guys like that who had done some really good things for the program and then go out and, and get some front court players that could provide a little more depth and physicality and inside scoring for us. Yaya Masalski has been, been amazing. He's given us a huge lift. Uh, you know, scoring close to 14 points a game, eight rebounds. Patrick Tappé, who is a grad transfer from Duke, uh, has found a really nice niche within our program of being a great defender, rebounder, facilitator, uh, just a great uh, starter for us. You know, and then Zane Meeks, who hasn't played a ton because he's been injured, uh, gives us another really talented front court scorer. Adding Gabe Stefanini in the backcourt and then Bova Markovetsky as another big. We're, we're a lot deeper and more physical than we were last year. Uh, a lot more well-rounded. And I think, you know, last year we could beat anybody like we proved when we beat Virginia, but we could also lose to anybody if we didn't shoot the ball well. Whereas this year, I feel like having that inside scoring provides us a much higher floor. And you, you touched on a lot of the guys there, but this this roster, I mean, players are being picked off from all across the world. You have it listed. Australia, Slovenia, Italy, England, Belarus, Netherlands, Ukraine. Uh, you have history playing in, in Israel with your background. Yeah. What is what is all of, what all goes into assembling a roster with guys with different backgrounds and and you know Tape going from low major to playing at Duke now coming back to a WCC program there are so many uh, intermixed parts Ivy Leaguers who, who are playing with you now how does this all come together and how do you, how do you as a staff make it work so well and the real, real question is do do you have a higher translator did you hire <laughs> that too I'm sure, I'm sure in the recruiting process is like. You know, people want to make B feel special, so I'm sure you had to pull out some stops. And you're like, man, you know what? Let's just hire you full time. I got to be able to talk to you guys all year. It's it's been really fun, honestly, because this, you know, now being here for my sixth year on the staff, uh, I, I feel like we have a really good understanding of what works. You know, what types of student athletes do well here, and we figured out pretty quick that international was a route that we thought would be beneficial and allow us to, you know, maybe get some guys that were at a level that normally we, we might not get if we were trying to recruit them in our backyard against teams like Cal and Stanford and uh, programs like that. So uh, we went out and really uh, worked the FIBA events and tried to figure out, you know, where we could find, you know, generally size is hard to come by. And that was a vehicle that we thought we could do that. And it's, it's turned out uh, to be really, you know, a good strategy for us. And it's, it's fun in that practice. We have one group uh, in our warm-up lines uh, that that has five of those guys that you just mentioned. So every time I see them, I call them the United Nations. You know, I got, I got guys that are from all over the globe working together for a common goal. Um, but it, I, I think the, the best part of this story so far, and Eli, this is what you were talking about, is we have guys that have been on different teams, different countries, different starts. Uh, but we've been able to kind of put this team together, and credit to them, they put the team first consistently 
and, and guys like Gabe and Pat didn't have much success from wins and losses at Columbia, but they're really good players. They want to be good. And, and now that they're with some, some better talent, uh, you know, everybody continues to pull each other up. And, and as long as we can continue putting the team first, I think this team will continue to be successful. And, yeah. and one of the guys who, who has been steady within the program is Jamari Bouye. And uh, he's been he's been a household name now for quite some time. But I think the nation's finally starting to realize that this guy's a legitimate All-American type player on a team that will likely be dancing in March. And uh, I think the performance against Fresno State really stood out to me in particular because of his struggles in the first half, and I believe he only scored two points and then just exploded over the final 20 minutes of the game and finished with 27, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what what do you see in him if there's anything different this season? Is It, it feels feels to me, having watched him for a few years, like he's able to, to take more of a leadership role and really remain steady even when things aren't, aren't going his way and, and being able to lead this team. Yeah, Jamari's story is its uh, one that honestly gives me like kind of chills and goosebumps um, just thinking about the growth um, that he's had over his career here. You know, when we got Jamari, he had no Division One scholarship offers. We, we signed him late. Uh, you know, he was he – was, his body, he was always long. He was always crazy athletic, but he was skinny, didn't necessarily look the part. Uh, he's incrementally got better and better every year. He went from, you know, barely playing as a freshman to being our, our backup guard a sophomore year. Then my first year as a head coach, he was my starting point guard. He took another jump last year. And, and we've kind of, you know, thought that he had this breakout potential, um, but needed, you know, some more help inside, probably needed a little stronger team. Well, now he has that. And so you're seeing a guy that's fully confident not only in his own abilities, but in the abilities of his teammates, which gives him the ultimate freedom to go out there and compete uh, and play to win. Um, you know, and to your point, Eli, like we had to pick him up a little bit in the first half against Fresno. We didn't play great, got in some early foul trouble, was kind of off kilter, but our other guys were good enough to keep us in the game. And then here comes the second half and the dude looked like a mini Steph Curry. You know, he was making shots from 25 feet, step backs, any way you want it. Um, and you know, I've, I've always thought that he had potential to, to really kind of take that next jump. And I think we're in the midst of seeing it right now. Um, the scoring's there, the shooting is what's kind of been, I don't want to say the question mark because he shot at 38% from three last year. He's a good shooter, but now he's turned himself into an elite shot maker. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, can't go unnoticed. He's making 3.2 threes a game at 47%. I mean, that, that's insane. And you guys understand basketball. You know, he's not getting wide open catch and shoot threes. This guy's shooting off the ball screen. This guy's shooting off the step backs. They're all tough shots. Uh, so I, I think we're in the midst of seeing this guy really break out and, uh, you know, kind of let the country know who he is. But in credit to him and, and credit to others for kind of realizing that. And now he's starting to get that recognition uh, in the mock drafts. And, and honestly, I think he has the potential to keep to keep rising on those charts as the year goes on. Yeah, I got, I got a two-part question for you. Um, you talked a little bit about this in one of your early answers, but you've added more bulk inside and more size. And Eli and I talked about this before we hopped on with you, but that seems to be a difference in the San Francisco way that may not have always been in the formula the years you've been there prior. Uh, and I'm sure the transfer portal probably plays a role in that because obviously those guys came for his transfers. Uh, the other part is uh, – the WCC is playing at a very high level sure. uh, as a whole. And people are talking about 
I mean, there was a conversation earlier. I think I heard somebody talking about four teams potentially getting in, which normally it's one. And right. mid-major is uh, having a great time right now with the transfer portal and the extra year has been really good to mid-major basketball uh, across the country. So long-winded question, but uh, the WCC having even four teams in the conversation, what is that like to be in a play in a league like that now and this time? And then how have the bigs helped your – um kind of jump from good to great as a program yeah it's uh the wcc it's 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 great for us because now we feel as coaches that the league's finally getting the respect <laughs> that it deserves uh and in the past last year the year before uh, i think the league had close to five or six top 100 kempom teams last year even but the 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 three teams four through six were closer to 100 whereas now you have Gonzaga top 10, BYU top 25. We're, I think, 26 in the net as of today, um, 32 on Ken Palm. St. Mary's is right there at 35. You know, all four of those teams, if the tournament started tomorrow, would be, you know, maybe even single-digit seeds, but definitely comfortably in. Um, and you have a team like Santa Clara, who was playing incredibly well to start the year and, and had a tough break when Brankage got mono, uh, and it kind of set them back a little bit. Um, and then LMU off to a great, you know, the, the league is very deep, you know, San Diego wins on the road at Nevada to start the year. Uh, just some really, really impressive starts. And, and so that was the kind of start we needed. Uh, obviously St. Mary's doing so well at the Maui, us beating UAB, Davidson, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, even Fresno state they're I think they're top 70 now in Ken Palm and top 60 in the net. Uh, a lot of these wins are traveling. You know, we have two quad ones, two quad twos already which will be huge for us. Um, so the, and then getting into the league, now there's a little more margin of error than there's been in the past where, you know, people always say, oh, you got to go 14 and two in the WCC to go to the tournament. I, I'm not sure that's the case. 12 and four, probably um, 14 and two though. I don't think that's going to be the case when you have, you know, so many good teams. And, and in regards to the bigs, uh, you know, I think as we mentioned, we, we were, we had the ability to play well, but we were super volatile and, and not having inside scoring two point finishing, was a big issue. And so that was an area where we, we, had, we knew that we had to get better. And so we addressed it. And now I think we're fifth or sixth in the country in effective field goal percentage offensively. Um, that's a, a much better, better way to live. <laughs> I'll tell you that it's a lot easier as a coach uh, now having some guys that can finish inside and kind of prevent us from going on long scoring droughts or letting teams run away from us. Uh, and, and they've just made us a lot more stable. So obviously you reference. Uh, you know, net, Kempom, effective field goal percentage, uh, efficiency, things like that. And uh, I'm always curious to get coaches' perspectives on the use of statistics and analytics. And uh, about this time last season, we had Mike Magpayo from UC Riverside, who you obviously worked with at Columbia oh, and, and know very well. Yeah. And um, we, we talked to him about the same thing, and he said he still uses – his Excel files that he had back to his time at, at Columbia working along with, uh, with Kyle Smith and uh, what, just what role does analytics play uh, in your coaching within your staff and what have you learned maybe next to Magpio and, and Bruce Pearl and Kyle Smith and some of these guys who, who really know their, their numbers and can use it to their advantage. You know what? It's a, uh, it, it goes back for me back to when I was playing at St. Mary's, you know, for Randy and Kyle, uh, cause I walked on there and, and, uh, you know, they, they provided an opportunity for anybody to earn playing time through um, basically a data collection uh, 
that they a data collection model that they use to determine who is helping the team win and who is hurting uh, to the point of where as a sophomore, I started 28 out of 29 games, um, you know, just getting on scholarship, uh, you know, a guy that had walked on for two years before. And so it had kind of opened my eyes of like, hey, you know, their basketball, um, it, there's definitely a huge human element to it. But if you dig a little deeper, you could find incremental value. Uh, behind the numbers. And, and I've always been a little more mathematically driven than, uh, you know, English and reading in school as it was. I was a terrible reading comprehension guy, um, but I was a good numbers guy. And so I've always, you know, I always have enjoyed looking at box scores and, and you know, batting averages in baseball. You know, it's just always been something that uh, resonates with me. And so, you know, going to work with Kyle at Columbia, I got to be on the coaching side of a lot of that data collection and, and analytical use behind it. And, you know, at Columbia, we were always looking for ways to catch up to Harvard, Yale, and Princeton because they were always getting the, the best recruits. Uh, but that's really kind of the mindset. It's just a mindset in, sense, in the sense of we're always just how, how can we get a little better? You know, how can we be more efficient in the way we do this? And, and that goes in really every area of our program from scheduling to recruiting, even to budgeting stuff we do, you know, uh, within our operational budget. You know, we're just always trying to find incremental ways to increase value. Um, so we're big on line of data. We're big on Ken Palm and, uh, we're big on Bart Torvik. We're big, you know, all these different analytical measures where we feel like maybe we can find an advantage and we'll use it in scouting a ton. Um, but I, I the best way to, to say it, I, I feel like we, we try to evaluate and do everything in our program through an analytical lens. And if we can find an incremental value, we'll take advantage of it. Do you do you find that it's a challenge trying to convey these types of messages to, to your players, or do they more or less understand it and, and, and see where you're coming from as a staff? Uh, I think there's different, you know, different ways and levels. Like as a staff, we have some higher uh, level conversations on it with the with the players. Uh, they're they're way open to it. What we really like to do, Eli, is like we'll pair a lot of film with our analytical studying and our analytical decisions and what we talk about. So it's like, hey. We're, we're coaching you on this and because we feel like you need to get better and we realize that analytically. And here's the film of showing you what you need to improve on and how you need to get better. So when you pair it and you can back it up with that visual element as well, I think it goes a lot further than just saying, hey, you know, you can't take that mid-range shot because you're shooting, you know, it's only a 0.7 points per possession shot when the catch and shoot three is 1.4, whatever. It's like then you're showing them you know, bad mid-range attempts in practice where, you know, they're not, it's like, okay, yeah, I got you, coach. That's a tough shot, my bad. You know, so uh, there's different ways uh, to do it. But the student athletes are, are definitely open to it. We have really bright guys within our program. And, uh, again, you know, winning definitely helps. So when, when you're stacking wins behind all of this, uh, it, it's a lot easier to get that buy-in. On the, on the same token, I think you briefly discussed this after the, the postgame uh, following the Fresno State win about kind of the mindset shift of now being the hunted as opposed to the hunter, being the underdog as opposed to the favorite oftentimes. I know a lot of coaches, they they deflect attention or they say they don't pay attention to it, but obviously given the start, given the headlines that your team is receiving, it's it's obviously there. So what do you, what do, you do as a staff, as a coach uh, to – to keep the players locked in and, and just maintaining that focus and understanding that, you know, if there is a goose egg next to your name, chances are every team's going to give 110% to try to knock you guys off. Yeah. It's, this is, it's a, it's a new, um, it's kind of a, I would say we've moved into a new 
part of our program. You know, like we've we've been well respected. Kyle did a great job here, kind of kind of turning that tide. And I feel like we've continued to kind of move that thing uh, forward the last couple of years. But now, you know, being 10 and 0, um, people are circling us on on the schedule. You know, and that's a new a new thing for us. You know, generally we're we've been the ones circling others, and and now. Um, and we talk about it every day, you know, Fresno state, really good program. They, they were coming in here excited to take us down. You know, they wanted to be the team that gave us our first L and I thought we were a little on our heels to start that game. And it was like, fellas, this is going to be every night. You know, these, these guys aren't coming in here, uh, just showing up. They're like, man, we want to take down this undefeated team. Uh, so I, I think we're, we're starting to learn and understand that we're going to get everybody's best shot. Um, people are going to respect us, but not necessarily fear us. And we have to make sure that we answer that every day, every day in practice and every game that we compete. Um, and, and honestly, it's, it's an everyday message, really. It's repetitive. It's, it's boring. Um, but it's, it's what's important and it's what we need to do to, to continue on this way. Coach, what's, uh, what's the most fun you're having so far, man? I know it's all business and there's no more COVID COVID year was, Crazy. There's been a lot of teams that have bounced back so well. Yours is one of them. Yeah. Uh, you, had the, you had the awesome win against Virginia. And then it just kind of like a lot of people, just the pauses and the reschedules and everything was so crazy. Are you having fun yet? What's been a fun moment you can point to of this season so far? Man, I'll tell you what. It was uh, – that last year was super challenging. And the summer period, you know, of, of getting these guys together and, and start team building and doing all that stuff, it was fun. But it was still, we still, I was still holding on to last year a little bit. Like, hey, let's not, we can't get ahead of ourselves. Like, let's keep that chip uh, and make sure we get into the fall well organized and have guys healthy. And, and, right. and so um, it's been kind of a cautiously optimistic summer and fall getting to the season. Um, but now that we're here and we're in the middle of it, we're almost a third of the way through our schedule. Um, we're, I, I'm certainly enjoying it. I can guarantee you that. And it's a daily deal. Uh, we have an older team, really mature team. Uh, they're super coachable. They want to, you know, they want to keep improving and getting better. So they're fun to be around. Uh, the way that Jamari has really taken on the leadership role and, and kind of uh, raised the bar in terms of how hard we practice and the expectations we have for not just him or Yayan or the older guys, but even all the way down to the freshmen within our program. Uh, it, it's a really high bar and uh, it, it's just fun to, that we've been able to get it here. And now the challenge is it's sustaining it, right? It's like, all right, now can we keep going? You know, and Jamari and Yali and Pat and those guys will lead us the rest of the way. But there's going to be a point where they're graduated. Now can the next group continue? Uh, That's the challenge of being a good program, and uh, we're going to see if we can do it. Yeah, I was was curious too. Like, so so much of this thing for coaching is – so let's take Coach Bennett, for example, who you guys beat last year. They lose as a 16 seed and then they come back and win a national championship. Yeah. Right? right. And he talks about like there's there's a lesson and adversity will write you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone otherwise, right? So one of those quotes that I happen to love. So for you as a coach, if you don't mind, share what's something that you took from the adversity of last year. And then after that, we're gonna flip it completely and just tell a funny story and then we shut it down. Yeah, no, it's I think you know, we're it in the middle of our pause, in the middle of the three-week period afterwards where we went one and six and lost three or four games by one possession and just didn't – we didn't have it. We weren't physical enough. You know, 
uh, there, we had a lot of adversity. You know, we were trying to get this thing back right, and right. this program has been used to winning 20 games, and uh, uh, we didn't do that. And so it was, uh, it was challenging and, and really hard at times, but your quote is, is right on. And I think if uh, you can either sit there and feel sorry for yourself and, hey, you know, this is a tough break, and, or you can try to grind through it and find the opportunity there, and, and I think we did that. And it was, hey, you know, we didn't end the way we want, but we can get an early start on our group for next year. Uh, you know, we can keep working on this thing and realize we're not that far away. Let's just add a couple guys and see if we can blend them together. Uh, and and I think that adversity gave us a little vision to an opportunity if we could take advantage of it. And I think we did do that. And so uh, the fact that instead of sitting there and feeling sorry for ourselves, you know, we were like, hey, let's <laughs> if we feel sorry for ourselves, they're going to keep punching us in the mouth. Let's. Uh, Let's get back up and see what we got. Uh, you know, that I'm really proud that our program was able to do that. For sure. For sure. And then we always like to ask the funny story to end. So anything you got for us, Coach, from your playing days, coaching days, uh, this team, a previous team, anything that, that's, that's air appropriate, of course, we always have to make sure we say that. Because some of the funniest stories, we know we can't, we can't have on the air. So uh, I mean, it's – First of all, you know, I, I've just been really lucky, man. You know, I was able to play for Randy and, and Kyle at St. Mary's and, and be a part of what was at the time was an up-and-coming program, similar to where I feel like we are now, yeah. uh, and, and be on the ground floor of that and, you know, learning, you know, who, you know, learning from guys. Like, we had incredible staffs at St. Mary's. Like, one staff, we had Kyle and Randy, obviously really successful head coaches. Lamont Smith, who did a good job for a number of years at San Diego. David Patrick was a really good head coach at Riverside. Now he's, you know – at Oklahoma, Ron Gannat, the head coach at Hawaii. I mean, we were we had five head coaches on one staff, you know, and like we're sitting there and uh, not not understanding at the time as a as a twenty year old kid how lucky I was to be a part of that. And then, you know, being at Columbia and a really talented staff that didn't do well. <laughs> we finished last in the Ivy League my first year. Like, you know, we had Kyle, we had Carlin Hartman from uh, UNLV, who's one of my great friends, and and I have an incredible amount of respect for. He's a great coach. Uh, you know, myself, Kevin Hubby, Mike Magpie was on that staff and we're getting our teeth kicked in the Ivy League. Like, I'm like, I think we're pretty good coaches. I think we know what we're doing, but I guess not. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting rolled every night. Um, but, you know, you just – I've just been fortunate, just been able to work with some really good guys. You know, I think uh, right now our staff here is, is phenomenal. Chris Gerlison, my associate head, uh, should be a head coach really soon, to be honest. This guy's doing a lot for us. And uh, – has has really given us a, a sense of grittiness and maturity that's that's raised the bar a lot. Mike Plank, Jonathan Sapphire, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, but uh, you know, I, I just feel like we're we're in a good spot. We're fortunate, uh, enjoying it with some older guys, and uh, we're we're gonna ride this thing out and see how far it goes. Yep, love it, Coach. I, I know a lot of those names. Lamont Smith, I got to work with firsthand. He is yeah. elite, and uh, Chris Gerlison, actually my first recruit. This is a quick, funny story. My first recruit uh, in college basketball, I worked at Collin Community College. <clears throat> well, I'll take it back. My first recruit that was at a D3, that was my cousin, so that don't count. <laughs> my cousin signed with me. He was the hardest recruit I ever had to sign. My first scholarship signee was Jarrett Von Rosenberg, who's the head coach now at Texas A&M Commerce. And after he left us one year at Collin, he went and signed with Chris Groveson at Hartford. And oh, been good friends with Chris ever since. So. Yeah. Uh, you definitely hired a great one and have a yes. good staff and excited for you guys in the WCC. And all of a sudden now WCC is like in that conversation for multi-bid and that's a lot of fun. And obviously Gonzaga's in its own space, but to have 
BYU has already been ranked in the top 25, and then you guys in St. Mary's are right there on the on the knocking on the door for you know tournament bids conversations. So awesome job. Keep up the good work. Appreciate you joining us and uh stay warm out there, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Brian. Eli, thank you, my man. And uh great catching up with you guys. And uh stay ha- happy and healthy and uh, Merry Christmas early to you guys. Yeah, same to you and your you family. Well. All okay. right, guys. All Take right, care. Man, another great one. We let my man Eli do what he does to close the show. <laughs> man, it's uh it's an impressive San Francisco team. I got a chance to see them out in Vegas in the tournament where they played against Towson and UAB, two very capable mid-major teams that could win a game in the tournament, much like uh, USF. And uh, this team can beat you in a variety of ways. The scoring is much improved. They have shooters all over the floor. But, I mean, when you pair perimeter shooters, capable perimeter shooters with the amount of size, the high major size that San Francisco has, it, it makes a lot of sense why the Dons have been a tough out this season. And We'll know a lot more about them in three weeks because this upcoming schedule is tough. They have a back-to-back at Grand Canyon and Arizona State, uh, and then they also play Southern Illinois, which has a high major win. They play Academy of Art, which isn't even uh, a D1 team that has a D1 win this season against UC Davis. And then, wouldn't you know it, they start league play at St. Mary's and at Gonzaga. So this is a challenging upcoming slate, but if we've learned anything about the San Francisco team is – uh, they're coming with a force, and, and we discuss on this show, they're they're definitely uh, in in a groove right now with Jamari Bouye and uh, Khalil Shabazz and some of these guys, Gabe Stefanini, who's been tremendous as well. It's a capable team that can win games in March, and uh, in a competitive WCC, there, there are a lot of heads out there, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, BYU, Santa Clara, San Diego, Loyal Marymount. Uh, even, we've talked about Portland that's much improved. I mean, the league is just extremely deep this season, and so it's a it's a good year to be good in the WCC, that's for sure. Yeah, it is, and and I think the part you talked about, you can get those quality wins, but those teams that people are not that are sleeping on the Santa Clara's who started the year smoking hot, Portland's been really good. Uh, LMU was picked, you know, very high in the league, and they finished high last year, I think fourth. So yeah, that league is uh, there's never it probably doesn't still continue to get the credit it deserves. San Diego's been off to a good start, and um. You know, they've kind of taken a dip here recently, but that league is good. There'll be a lot of good mid-major basketball. I think one of the questions I have is, is the is the committee going to change the formula or be open to not having as many high major teams just because they're in a high major conference? Or are some of these mid-major leagues going to actually get the love they deserve? So we'll see. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to be optimistic. Uh, I think this will be a multi-bid league. I think they can get three. I don't know if they can get a fourth one. I think whoever that third place team is, if they can find a way to play well, uh, there's so many quad one wins now in this league for right now um, that it does make your strength to schedule and your net and all those, all that formula hopefully can add up as we've seen, even in the Mount West, even last year, you know, you had San Diego state, you had Utah state, you had Colorado state and we had, uh, what was the other one? Boise? Yeah, Boise, yeah, Boise State was in the mix too. Yep, yep. So, you know, you had that kind of conversation going on in the Mountain West last year. Um, yeah, I think the American has those conversations with Houston, Wichita State, Memphis. Uh, there's been those kind of conversations there as well. So, be interesting to see. But thanks to Coach Golden for coming on. Uh, awesome to have our second head coach and keep doing his thing, man. He checked just checking the heat, you know. <laughs> 
on out here. So the the full episode coming soon. We'll have that uh probably well, this will come out on Thursday. That'll probably be out later on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that as well. And you can always find on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, All Access Network, and then Heat Check CBB. You don't want to miss that website or the social handle. And be back soon. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your legacy.